0: okay so we have got my first guest on the podcast today marcy nevin welcome
1: oh thank you i'm honored
0: how cool is the accent oh my god i love hearing the american accent
1: <laughs> and it's so funny because i don't feel like i have an accent and no i feel <laughs> r- right exactly so ironically I you're my second podcast today I was recording another one earlier with a guy who was from London and I assumed that he was from Australia I get the Australian (laughs) and the London accents mixed up all the time I was like oh so you're in Australia He's like, no I'm in London I was like okay (laughs) well got that wrong so
0: funny the London accent I think is so different Two
1: hours. Oh God! Yeah, well,
0: like much more. Those push, I know. I feel like, but anyway, that was actually going to be one of my questions. So, how I usually run these podcasts—not that I've done that many—but my plan for having guests on is to basically I ask you five questions, you ask me five questions. Although you might ask me questions first, I think. Oh no, I'll do it your way first. Um, and we're just going to flow and use that for guidance. And see what comes out of it. Because I feel like good things come when we flow, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so I wanted to ask you, one of my questions actually was, what do you think about Australia? Because you're like, you've got a different perspective to all of us here.
1: What do I think? like In what way exactly?
0: What do you think we're like? What do you think Australia's like?
1: (laughs) Oh, so, you know, it's interesting because... One of my friends who she was actually an in-person training client of mine before lockdown happened. And she went to Australia for a couple of weeks to visit some friends. So when she came back to the States and we were training together again, she was telling me all about it. And I was like, man, those Aussies, like they're really easygoing and (laughs) lighthearted and fun. And I actually, I've had a couple of Australian clients and they were always some of my favorite just because at least the one that I had, maybe maybe I have only had one Australian client, one Australian and then one woman who's in Singapore, which I mean, that's different, but I think she was from Australia okay. and yeah, they're just so like light, yeah, lighthearted, easygoing, fun. Um, so I remember my client was telling me like the in-person client of mine um, how you guys are, I don't want to say like big drinkers, but how... <laughs> Um, what would she say? Like, they would just like bring the kids like wherever, like bring the kids to the bar, bring the kids here, bring the kids there. Uh, and it's very different in the States. So just that, like, I feel like people in the States, they kind of get really, um, concerned. That's not the right word. Concerned, but like uptight about their kids. And really? she said in in, Aust- yeah, in Australia, like the kids just kind of like go whatever, do whatever. And it's no big deal. And I was like, I like that.
0: That's so funny. That is so true, actually. I'm thinking back to a, like, party I went to a few years ago. It was, like, this annual event every single year. Um, It was basically, like, rat races, right? So, in a friend's backyard, actually doing, got some rats, race them. Rats? Yeah, like mice. Um, <laughs> But it was full on and everyone dressed up for it, teams, all of that. And, the parents would all bring their kids like whatever age and would all just be drinking and having whatever in the backyard and the kids just running around and watching these rat races and it was a gambling event imagine they go back to school on monday and what did you do for the weekend uh we watched rat races
1: (laughs) I, i love it so i so i guess that's kind of where I was going with that is in the States, I think at least most people be like, I have to have a babysitter, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, in Australia, it's just like, nope, kids coming with me.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's very interesting. interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the rat races, that's something we certainly don't do over here.
0: It's not done over here either. These were okay. just, it was a very interesting thing. I was surprised that it even happened, but it was an annual event here Run by some of my friends, and it's finished now. Like there's not going to be any more, But um, I think there was like four years of it, or something like that. It's oh wow,
1: a bit so wild. funny story. I used to I used to have pet rats when I was growing up. I had three. They're great pet pets. Rats. Pet <laughs> rats. They're they're amazing pets. They really? really are. And so you know, we would keep them in the cage for the most part. But sometimes we let them out of the cage, they'd run around the house. And oh yeah, they're great. People put them up on my shoulder, walk around with it. Maybe I would I'll get another get rat. That. I don't live very long. That's the only problem.
0: That's a bit sad. I always wanted a hamster. And my friend in oh. Japan had a hamster. And I was going to go buy a cage in Japan because they're so much cuter there. And then, like, come back to Australia and buy a hamster. And then I learned they're actually illegal in Australia to be kept as pets. Really? We're not allowed hamsters
1: here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. I wonder why
0: Australian rules don't make sense. Some of them. So Uh, I think they are pests or something like that, you know, Okay,
1: we're not, I know that ferrets are illegal here, which I'm fine with because ferrets are kind of creepy anyways. Um, and then I had a pet rat when I was in college. That was technically a, no, not a rat, excuse me, a pet hamster in my college dorm room which I had to sneak in because you weren't supposed to have pets, pets. in the dorm room. <laughs> and it was the cutest little thing. It's name was Newman. It was based off of the character on Seinfeld. I don't know if you're familiar with Seinfeld. I am. <laughs> um, so yeah, my boyfriend at the time, he and I had this pet hamster named him Newman. It was, it stayed in my dorm room and my uh, dorm mate at the time she was addicted, not addicted, but she was doing like hardcore drugs in our room, like crystal meth in the dorm wow. room. Wow, I would turn around, and she'd be like, Lighten up a pipe, and I was like, What is going on here? I think that this is more illegal than the hamster. That's crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine if we got caught with the hamster and crystal meth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why? <Wild. laughs>
1: <laughs> and I so the hamster lasted about two weeks and then it died and I was like I bet you anything it's that crystal meth smoke like so I blame the roommate for that's killing so my hamster.
0: Sad. oh my goodness uh, then I, when I
1: I buried it in a um a popcorn box outside oh so
0: poor thing anyway. oh my god that's so <laughs> sad <laughs> Where is this podcast going? (laughs) I know, right? All right. Let's let's bring it back. So my first question (laughs) for you is, how did you get into fitness? Because you're an online coach, personal trainer as well, for everyone that doesn't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell us a little Um, bit about you and your fitness journey.
1: Yes. So fitness journey, I, I started when I was about 12 years old because I was a little bit overweight, which no one believes, but I was, I was a chunky kid and I was just very self-conscious. I feel like most of us in this space, we get into fitness because at one point we didn't feel good about ourselves and fitness was our way out. So that was kind of it for me. So started exercising in my parents' living room when I was 12, I bought this thing called the firm which you're probably not familiar with. I'm sure it was only in the States, but it was these two, like these two plastic steps that you stuck or like stacked on top of each other. And I guess it didn't come with weights. So I think that I got the weights from my mom or my dad or whoever. And there was a VHS cassette that you followed along to.
0: (laughs) Old school, I love it. (laughs) Oh
1: my God, so old school. So, and these women, they were like jacked, like they were muscular. So it was one of those things like, Uh, they're probably not that way because of what they're doing, but in spite of what they're doing, you know, but it was a good start. So I was doing step-ups and lunges and squats and curls and presses and all the things that's crazy Um, from, yeah, yeah, started young. And then from there, I did that for a while. And then I transitioned more into like aerobics. Uh, and then when I was old enough to go to the gym, my mom and I started going to the gym together, we would do step classes. And then I started weight training probably when I was like 14 or 15. Wow. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and that's then,
0: crazy. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I have like 12 year olds reach out to me at the moment. Like I need help losing my belly fat. I'm just uh, like, you're a baby.
1: Like, I know you're, you're so well, that's, young. <laughs> that's how I was. I know. That's crazy. I know. And it's almost like my parents didn't even know what I was doing. So I was, I was exercising, kind of spinning my wheels, not making progress because my diet sucked. We know that. Ooh. Um, so I started asking my mom for nutrition advice and that was atrocious. Uh, but, Oh, low fat <laughs> low usually sugar. is right.
0: Like that's what it, it, I find as well. Like so many clients tell me, Oh, but my friend said do this. Or my mom said do this. And I'm like, well, they're not experts. Where are they getting their information from? <laughs> Cause it's not no, right. my
1: mom. Like my mom lived on popcorn and apples when she was pregnant with me. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Oh yeah, it was bad. So she was like, we were doing like the cabbage soup diet together. And then finally we ended up doing Weight Watchers. So that was the thing that helped me really lose the weight. So I did Weight Watchers going into, I think my freshman year of high school. Wow. And I lost, I mean, I don't know, at least 10 pounds, if not more, maybe 15 was feeling good. And then I just kind of took it from there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And then in so senior year of high school, I was in a sports medicine class. And one of the units that we did was on nutrition and fitness. So we had to read this book called body for life, which was one of the first books that really talked about like clean eating, eating small meals throughout the day, supplementing with protein shakes. So I read the book and I basically just followed along with it. And I was eating, yeah, five or six times per day. So protein, vegetables, you know, like some sort of a carb in between the meals, I would have a meal replacement shake. And then I was following the workouts, which was three days a week of lifting. And then three days a week of high intensity cardio. So like interval cardio, I mean, it was okay. Like it wasn't a horrible program. It wasn't the best, but it really got me started. And then when I went to college, that's when I got really into training. So I was reading this website called T nation was like a bodybuilder website. They had a sister site called figure athlete. And, and this was when like the magazines were really popular. So early two thousands, like shape muscle, not well, shape was ridiculous, but like muscle and fitness, hers, oxygen. So I wanted to look like those women on the magazine covers, (laughs) lean, muscular, Um, and I was just following the advice in the magazines and little did I know that that was, you know, setting me up for disordered eating and exercise obsession, because it was like, you know, do cardio every single morning and then go back to the gym and lift weights and eat tilapia and asparagus and egg whites. (laughs) And so I was, I mean, I wasn't eating tilapia in college, but yeah, I, I definitely developed like disordered eating habits. Yeah. I lost a lot of weight. Um. So like my friends were worried about me. My family was worried about me. It was, it was a dark time. I didn't really know any better. It was one of my favorite sayings is you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. So I was just like, I was like in it and I did not know any different. I'm like, well, I'm just following the advice, you know, like, isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? But yeah, it got me in, uh, it got me in trouble for sure. With just like my, my overall health. Um, Wow. See, that's but- where
0: I was from 12 years old. Like I was in that oh. kind of disordered eating. That's how I kind of started.
1: I from didn't 12, know 12,
0: though. At yeah. 12. Both of yeah. us are 12. Yeah. So I started off with like in I was a chunky kid as well, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And then very insecure, very self-conscious, developed an eating disorder, like hardcore. But everyone knew something was wrong, but Like I didn't let them believe anything was wrong, even though I look back at photos now and I'm like, how did I get away with not having to go to the hospital? Because I was so sick.
1: (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting because one of my best friends wrote a letter to my parents and saying like, you know, we're concerned about Marcy. And my parents confronted me with it. They would not tell me who it was. Um, wow, but
0: oh, I just got goosebumps. But
1: yeah, but they didn't do anything. My mom says, like, they confronted me. They're like, well, do you think you have a problem? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Everything's good. I mean, they knew that I had a problem. Like, it was obvious. Yeah. But my mom, I mean, I'm her only child. I have a, a half brother who is 16 years older. That's my dad's son. Yeah. So I am my mom's, like, only child. And she was so protective of me. I think she was really worried that if she tried to do anything that I would get upset with her and it would ruin our relationship. So she was just like, I see that there's a problem. Everyone else sees that there's a problem. Uh, Cause I, the joke is kind of, and it's not funny, but it's just the truth. You know, the whole like, oh, the freshman 15, like you gain it when you go to college. Well, I lost the freshman 15.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um,
1: and so she said, like, when I came to see you, that first time after not seeing you since you had started, like I was shocked and it was just so sad to see, like, you were like skin and bones, but I felt like I couldn't say anything.
0: That's so, it's so heartbreaking. Like I know a few people now dealing with family members that have eating disorders and it's like, it's how do you uh, approach and confront it, especially when they don't want help. And like, I've been in that place. I didn't want help. I was so stubborn. I was like, you're not helping me. I don't need help. And if you do, then I'm going to like explode. Like I will not, I'll run away or something like that, you know?
1: Well, it's all about control. Like eating disorders are ultimately about control. Um, and I remember I had a friend in high school who was severely anorexic, ended up at like in inpatient treatment at a hospital. And then also in high school, I babysat a girl who was in middle school, same thing. She had a severe eating disorder. She was also anorexic. I would pick her up from school and it would be like a hot day and she would be shivering, like wearing gloves. Mm, that was me. Um, yeah. Oh, oh my God. I know me too. So she had to go to a treatment facility. And I remember interviewing her mom. Cause I wrote a whole paper on eating disorders. Um, wow. And her mom said, she's like, eating disorders are all about control. So, you know, some other part of your life is out of control. So you control your food or you control your exercise, whatever it is, because that's the one thing that you can. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you try to confront someone who has one, it's almost like they tighten that control even more. It's like they're, oh, you think I have a problem? Well, then I'm doing something right. So I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So, So how did you get out of it? Oh gosh. How did I get out of it? Um, I, well, so my friends kind of had an intervention with me. I could tell that they were distancing themselves from me for whatever reason. And that was very traumatic. Um, Mm. so I finally, I think that they confronted me and they're like, we know, we're worried about you. You need help. So I went to a nutritionist on campus, because it was kind of a wake up moment. Like I didn't want my friends to not be friends with me. And I mean, I'm a you know, college, college girl who wanted to fit in. So yeah. I did go get help. I gained some weight. I don't think that it like completely cured things. And then really what worked the best was when I was in my, I was like 24. I found an online coach who basically introduced me to flexible dieting. So yeah. I I had was making progress before then. I had also met like a bodybuilder friend who had helped me gain some weight because I really want like, I always wanted to be muscular. I didn't want to be anorexic looking. Yeah. Um so he was helping me oh, sorry. Um yeah, he was helping me to put on some muscle so I definitely gained weight and then I ended up finding this online coach who put me on a meal plan but we were able to substitute foods. So it was like, I was going from eating literally protein and vegetables all the time to now you can eat oatmeal and potatoes and cheese and fruit. And post-workout, we were able to eat really any type of carb that we wanted. So I was eating like cereal and candy and frozen yogurt. And oh, by the way, like I got shredded. So it was the thing that made me realize like, okay, there aren't any good and bad foods. Yeah. That's that was the crazy th- yeah. yeah yeah,
0: that's so interesting because I actually I think fully healed myself. So I gained a bit of weight when I got into a long-term relationship. That boyfriend kind of was into the gym and stuff and helped me kind of put on some weight and then I got I became skinny fat and then I fully kind of recovered once I got my first online coach and mm-hmm. started to learn flexible dieting, actually educate myself about food. And then see progress as the scale was creeping up. Like I saw a better looking body in the mirror, yeah. even though the scale was going up, even though I was eating more food. And that's when I think it started to come together. And I absolutely let go of that control a little bit more. And it's like taken years though, to fully get to this point where now I can just eat whatever, not really care, not feel guilty, enjoy it, go over calories. Doesn't matter. Don't track food. Doesn't matter. Right.
1: Yes. It's just an
0: understanding now that I don't need to. Food is fuel. Food is okay. It's not going to make you Mm -hmm. fat in one day. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's devastating to see so many people like scared to eat and like eating so little and just scared to eat more because they think it's going to make them fat instantly, you know? And I understand it because I was there, but it's just like, it's so common.
1: It is. Well, I mean, I struggled with that. Gosh, it's probably been like four years ago now. So I was in a relationship and he was a competitive power lifter. So this guy was six feet. And when we met, he was maybe like 230, but at some point in our relationship, he got up to like 260, 265. He ended up squatting a thousand pounds, deadlifting 800. Like he was massive and he was just pure muscle and could eat whatever he wanted. Right. Yeah. Um, so I had like very low self-worth going into that relationship and I had, I was married before I was, you know, got a divorce. So I was feeling bad coming out of that. And really like for so long, my identity, my sense of self-worth was predicated on what my body looked like and like my ability to be fit and how much I knew about the gym and lifting and nutrition so I get into this relationship with this guy and it's like, he knew everything and not, not that he knew everything, but he was just like so much further ahead of me, even though I had been like doing it for longer than he had.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so I think that my self-worth in that relationship was very low and I kind of wanted a piece of what he had. So it's like, oh, well, I want to be strong too. So I ended up going to his gym and his coach at the time knew that i had a disordered eating history and it was an interview process to even be allowed to train at that place wow. so he interviewed me for probably i mean a good 2 hours and he said all right like i'm willing to train you but you're going to have to gain weight because you are too small right now which oh, i mean i, I, I was it. probably like i was probably like a little bit underweight but i felt i felt good i prefer being a little bit leaner So I was comfortable with where I was, but he was like, Oh no, no, you are way too small. You're going to have to gain weight, you know, eat more food. He was worried, I guess that I didn't have enough what he called reserves. So he's like, if you were to get sick and like end up in the hospital, you'd be screwed. And I was like, "Mm, that's kind of a good point actually. Um, I never thought about like that. So he said, yeah, you're going to gain the weight, but you're going to do it on my timeline. So none of this you know, half a pound, one pound per month bullshit. Like, I know you're going to try to pull. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. I probably would have. Uh, he said, You'll gain it on my timeline. So I had a goal weight that I had to hit by a certain date. And if I didn't hit it, then I was kicked out of the gym. Wow. So I had to get on the scale pretty much every day. It was, I ended up gaining close to 15 pounds, maybe a little bit more in less than three months. That's wow. a lot of weight for someone who's five foot two. Yeah. I was like force feeding. I mean, it was so, so uncomfortable because I don't know about you. That's extreme. Like
0: Like, I appreciate boundaries and I kind of like how he has that process that it's, you do it this way or you don't do it. Like, I love that, but that's extreme. Yeah.
1: And so on my, on my scheduled weigh-in day, I think I was like 0.5 pounds off or something like that. And he kicked me out. He's like, nope, you didn't hit it. Like you're out of here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Wow. Uh, I was like, all oh, that for nothing. So then my ego definitely kicked in. And he said, you know, like leave, take some time to think about it. If this is really what you want and you want to gain the weight, then, you know, take a month to do that on your own. And we can, you know, have this converse. Like we can um, come back to the conversation. you know, at a later date. And so I put the weight back on, he let me back in and it was not a good experience. Um, it was a very toxic environment. I ended up leaving, thank God, but, um, yeah, so, so that was difficult. And then I was still dealing with some of my health issues at the time. So I knew that I wasn't really in a place to be pursuing fat loss, even though I was so uncomfortable. Um, yeah, but then eventually I did. And, It was good. And that is
0: such an important thing as well. Like to be successful at fat loss, you have to be in the right place to start. Like otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. And I see so many people just like not caring, not caring about their health or anything. And I always say, like, a healthy body is going to respond better than a body that's not healthy. So if you take care of your health, respect your body, get that in a good place first, everything will work. But so many people are struggling because they're missing that first step which is getting your health in order and respecting your health from the start.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. So I, uh, again, I was dealing with some chronic health issues that I had developed likely as a result of my over-exercising, under-eating, stress, all of that in college. And I, I had been dealing with that for years. Um, it was kind of one of the reasons why I ended up leaving the gym too, just because like that type of intense training I knew was not good for my health. So I left, I had, you know, gained all this weight. I wasn't feeling comfortable. I didn't feel good just like health wise. And that is when I met my now coach Vince and we did some like healing work internally, like on my gut, on some other issues that I was dealing with. And then that only took like 10 weeks and I was basically a new person. And he's like, okay, like we've made a lot of progress. So you get the green light to pursue fat loss. And I'm telling you, Jody, the weight like melted off. Yeah.
0: Exactly. It was. I don't
1: want to say it was effortless because like in the beginning it was, it really was like, I didn't feel deprived. I wasn't overly hungry. My energy was good. And then I was making such good progress that he was like, how far do you want to push this? Like, do you want to treat it kind of like a competition prep and see how far you can go? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So then we really kicked things up and yeah, I got really lean uh, and it was fun to see, you know, it was not an easy process. It, uh, I definitely got hungry and tired and irritable and all the things like, I mean, it probably was worth it because I showed myself what I was capable of, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, it does go to show that when you take enough time away from dieting you feed your body properly, you stay in maintenance or even like, God forbid, a little bit of a surplus, put on some muscle, yeah. then you're going to see amazing results.
0: Yes. I wish yeah. people would and understand gonna that. And it's going
1: to be so much easier on you, you know? Yeah, exactly.
0: So what's your favorite thing about having coaches? Cause I know you have a few coaches, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Marcy and I actually met in a mentorship we did last year together for everyone that doesn't know, which is probably everyone. <laughs> and then we've been talking on Instagram ever since. And then we also ended up doing the same business mastermind this year without actually knowing in advance. Like it just so happened we chose the same ones. Well, so. tell the story. Well, what was the story? Oh, actually, no, this is the story, right? So I remember, obviously. Uh, Marcy, I had a feeling Marcy was doing this mastermind and I messaged her about it. Like, I'm going to have a call with them. How is it? Like, should I do it? And then Marcy didn't respond for like at a least month. a week or a month or something. No, it was it was a month, right? Yeah. I was
1: oh, so bad. It's like I gotta get back to Jody and I kept forgetting.
0: Yeah, Marcy didn't respond. And I was just like, but I need to know. Like, um, but I just took it as a sign. I was meant to like, you know, make my own decision. And I ended up feeling guided to join the mastermind. And then literally, like an hour after I had my call or something, I saw a reply from Marcy saying that she's in this mastermind. Yes, she had joined it and
1: this is how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is oh my gosh, that was so crazy! Like the universe synchronicity is just. I love amazing. it. I love
0: it. And that's Marcy really what's one of fan. the things.
1: That's one of the things that connects us too so much is. Yeah, our, I was just gonna
0: say you're a fan of the universe.
1: Of the universe, <laughs> the manifestation, all of those things. So, yeah. how did you get into? That's my question for you. How did you get into all of that?
0: I started. I think my like awakening was when I got dumped by my previous boyfriend, the last one I had. I've been single now for like three years almost. How
1: crazy is that? Um, wait, what? Ga- what? What's what to do with Gavin?
0: Wait, so Gavin is like the ex ex boyfriend from like ages ago, and then oh, I, I have another one. That. Yeah, so. Oh. Gavin was the long-term one for everyone that needs to know my (laughs) relationship history. I didn't even know that. Yeah, my awakening was like from getting dumped by this other idiot, Um, very unexpectedly. I was heartbroken. And then I started, I don't know how I put the pieces together, but I started seeing the angel numbers and then doing some research on that. And then when I was in the US, after I got dumped, I went to the US and was in Barnes and Noble in the Grove, LA, and started reading this book. And I can't remember the name of the book, but it was something to do with like asking signs from the universe. And so I asked for a sign and got my sign, like literally while I was still in the bookstore. What was your sign? a unicorn
1: (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious
0: so crazy right and so that's when I started like looking into things more and actually like believing and feeling more like I started playing games with the universe then and asking for more signs and like testing things manifesting seeing what I was capable of all of that and so yeah it's kind of just carried on from there
1: oh amazing I didn't even know that
0: you had been to the states yeah I've been like four times oh
1: okay I had no idea
0: when are you coming to Australia Master? Uh,
1: I told you when you can give me a Xanax and a stiff drink so I don't have to be <laughs> away for the flight
0: I feel like <laughs> everyone in the US is like so put off by the flight to Australia but we're so it? used to having to travel far to go anywhere that right. it's like not an issue for anyone here. We're just like, yeah, let's jump on a plane for 24 hours. That's fine.
1: What, what is it? Is it like an 18-hour flight, 20-hour?
0: So from just, say, Sydney to LA, it's like 14 or 15 hours, I think. Okay. And then to New York, though, you have to go to LA first. So that's like just, say, 14 hours. And then usually a three-hour layover. Yeah. And then another six hours. So whatever that works out to be. <laughs> And you know, I'll obviously go, drive I'll
1: go LA to Sydney. And... I'll go LA to Sydney.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. When's this happening? When our borders open, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is are likely you still, to mean that we still on lockdown? Uh,
0: so we're out of lockdown. Sydney is hardcore lockdown Sydney. right now. They just went into it even worse. Oh my and gosh. the country is still like a bubble though. Like no one's allowed in unless you have special permission. No one is allowed out unless you have special permission. So it's you're so in Melbourne. Crazy. I'm in the Gold Coast, but I'm the, from Melbourne.
1: So where is the Gold Coast? And where is Sydney and where is Melbourne?
0: So the Gold Coast is like north and uh-huh. then Sydney is an hour south and then Melbourne is another hour south.
1: Got it. Okay, got it.
0: On the got east it. coast of Australia.
1: Yes. I knew there was on the east coast. I just didn't know the, uh, the exact geography. geography. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you're coming to the Gold Coast and then we'll go to Melbourne and then we'll go to Sydney. Okay. And then you can fly out of Sydney (laughs) and I'll come with you. (laughs) Excellent. I'm dying. You don't have to
1: come and then we go to Florida together.
0: Yes. That's the plan as well. That's why I'm trying to leave the country at the moment. So I can go to this. There's a mastermind event in Florida in like October or November. Yeah. Yeah. Trying
1: to manifest
0: getting there, but.
1: You are going to manifest getting there. my friend. (laughs) You absolutely are. It's going to happen.
0: All right. What is your next question for me?
1: So you have a birthday coming up. Yes. The big what three 34? 34,
0: yes. 34. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay.
1: You don't look at a day past 22. <laughs> that
0: makes me so happy. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> I know my dad said that to me the other day. He's like, yeah, you know, I know that you want to be 23 again. Well, you look like you're about 23. I was like, thank you. Thank I'll you, be 37. Dad. I'll oh be my god. Um, Yeah, I'm 37. Gosh. Um, okay. So I want to know what would your ideal day be to spend your birthday?
0: Ideally, I would love, it's so hard because I actually love my routine now so much, you know, but yeah, I would love to wake up in a fancy hotel and then probably have a coffee in bed mm-hmm. with my future husband. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay.
0: I and, love then, that. and then go out for a coffee as well. Uh It's nice to get out and then probably do a gym workout like a training session and then come back to the hotel, maybe get a massage Mm. and then go lie in the sun by the pool for a while and then go out for a fancy lunch and then start some like, then go out for some drinks. I like day drinking. So like afternoon drinking. I much prefer that to night drinking.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Day drinking's fun.
0: Yeah. So have some wine in the afternoon and then... Probably just go for a nice dinner. Like I love good food, you know, like a fancy, probably like a 10 course degustation, at like a really, really fancy restaurant.
1: I love that. That sounds like a dreamy type of day.
0: Yeah, that would be my ideal birthday. But clearly my future husband is not present at the moment. So (laughs) I don't know how we're going to make this happen.
1: Could you do it by yourself this time?
0: Yeah, I've actually been thinking about booking a hotel for my birthday. I think you should. Yeah, okay. That's Good. my sign. That's a yes. That's my sign. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I was looking them quiet. up. I was looking them up the other day. I'm like, should I or should I just save the money? Because I'm going to need lots of money to get out of Australia at the moment. But I'm like, no, nah. okay, let's do it. We've got to live in the moment, take each day as it comes, and just trust that I'm going to have the money to go overseas anyway.
1: Exactly. Well, I think it's kind of one of those universal laws. I know there are actual universal laws. I don't know what they all, all are, but I think that the money that you spend, just believe that it will come back to you.
0: I do actually believe that. Yeah. Like 100%. And it always does. Like as soon as you put it out, it comes straight back, usually Mm -hmm. twice or like, you know, it always comes back expanded because that's what I believe will happen. So
1: Absolutely. So, okay. This is my permission to you. I'm giving you the permission to go and stay in a fancy hotel and enjoy your birthday. Have a wild day. Have a Afternoon wild day. You
0: can by yourself.
1: <laughs> or, you know, like invite a friend out to dinner or something, but yeah, enjoy okay. yourself.
0: I'm going to do it. I love it. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Um, and there's also spiritual meeting to the year 33 it's supposed to be kind of like your rebirth year. I know you're going to be 34. Oh, interesting. But I look at, I don't know the specifics, but when I was doing in-person training, I was training this woman who is a therapist, a mindfulness practitioner. Um, I'd actually taken a mindfulness course from her, but we were talking all about spirituality and things like that. And I was going to be turning 33. And she's like, oh yeah, there's significance to your 33rd birthday. So you'll have to look it up because I don't remember exactly what it is. I definitely
0: have to look it up because I felt it when I turned 33. I'm like, this is going to be a big year or an interesting year. But I look back on it now and I'm like, not much has really happened. Like my business has grown, which is great. And like that kind of thing. But it's actually been a hard year as well. Like harder than I expected it to be. So Mm -hmm.
1: but maybe there's something something to that that it's been difficult but you've you've grown Grown, you've learned a lot you've taken risks you've you know had to trust yourself you've had to trust the universe and everything has always worked out yeah yes
0: I'm gonna look into that after this call let me know I wanted to know from you um let's see what do I want next on the topic of, cause you still train people in person as well as online?
1: Not really. So I have not trained people in person regularly since lockdown. There was one girl that I was training like a little bit when our gym opened up, but then she moved away. She was the one who had told me about Australia. Yeah. Um, and then now I'm training one woman one time per week who used to be my yoga teacher. So I just like her, she's easy. It helps pay my like fee to go to the gym. So, (laughs) you know, it gets me out of the house, but no, everything is online now for the most part.
0: And do you, I'm assuming you prefer it?
1: Oh gosh. Yes. I, I never liked in-person training ever. I did it for 12 years and I hated every minute of it, but it was just kind of one of those things where I didn't know what else to do. And I was dealing with so many health issues that I was afraid to, like try something else, um, especially if I was gonna have to be sitting at a desk all day and you know, all that. So at least with the training, I felt like I had a little bit more freedom and flexibility if anything happened. Is that so, your favorite
0: part about it? Or like what's your favorite part about online coaching?
1: Oh, oh yeah, just not having to wake up to an alarm anymore, not having to deal with people who are. I mean, yes, I deal with clients who complain and have issues, but it's different. You can compartmentalize a little bit more than if you're face-to-face with them. Um, I didn't like the hours or the schedule. I felt like I always had to be there. So I missed out on, you know, holidays or like, let's say it was Christmas and Christmas is on a Tuesday and all my family is celebrating until the evening. It's like, oh, well, got to be at work tomorrow at seven. So yeah, I'm going to bed. Days as well. You know, I think
0: PT, like online, I mean, in person is, it's such a hard gig, really, it's especially hard. at the start, like when you don't really have the choice to make your own hours or choose your own clients, that kind of thing.
1: How With, long did you do it for? Sorry? How long did you do it for?
0: I was doing in person for three years. So not, not nearly as long as you, but that was enough, you know, like that was, I only, I always wanted to do online. I don't know why even like, I just had this thing, like I want to be able to work from home. I want an online business and I knew, but I knew I had to go in the gym, get that experience, learn how to work with proper bodies and then transfer that online. So how have you found your results online versus in person do you find them different like you get
1: oh oh absolutely my my in-person clients were not getting results
0: <laughs> yeah it's really just- funny like that's the same that's what I was like is it just me or do other people find this because and like 12 years is a long time to be in the gym working with people surely you would be getting better results
1: I, I mean like the occasional person got results But I think for most people, the ones who come to a, I was at a small studio where it was a little bit, um, how do I put this? It's like they were there because they were checking the box.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) So I don't want to, I don't want to have to go and work out on my own. I don't feel comfortable to go to a big box gym and deal with all the people I know that working out is good for me. I should be doing it. So I'm going to hire Marcy. She'll be there to keep me accountable. And I just have to show up, do the work, check the box, and I can go home. I don't really think the majority of people that I was working with cared to make real progress.
0: I feel like that's just a, like, because I feel the same when the gym I was working in, people would just come to get the reps in and feel like that was enough when it's actually not the case there's so much more that you Mm -hmm. need to make sure is on point every single day it's not just the workout it's like that's one small part of it and And so yeah I feel like online allows you to like take care of all of that as well whereas in person it's just so hard to have the time to do anything else but work out
1: exactly yes and, and we would touch on nutrition every now and then I would give them advice but it was like one in or in one ear out the other yeah
0: exactly. so it was like but, but
1: here's the thing if they weren't complaining about it then you know it's obviously like they didn't care that much so they weren't blaming me for their lack of progress it's so interesting
0: isn't it so interesting yeah. Yeah. what would you say is one of your biggest lessons learned in fitness over the years?
1: Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. Um, it's I know <laughs> it's, it's a hard one, but as cliche as it is, just like trusting the process, you know, um, and allowing it to, uh, to take time, knowing that it's not going to be a quick fix. Yeah. And you're not going to get these amazing results in 12 weeks, even though that's what a lot of people are <laughs> going to be writing. trying to, you know, make you believe. Yeah. Um, and it can, so then that can be translated to any area of your life. Like the work that I, that I had to put into my fitness journey and knowing how patient I've had to be, how long it's taken for me to see like even negligible results. Like I've been training for 20 years. And sometimes I feel like Does it even look like I lift? (laughs) You know, or just like you know, getting getting strength, getting muscle. It's like watching paint dry; can go so slow. So that can be translated to any area of your life. Like now, for us, building a business. Yeah. I mean, you see these people who like, oh, I hit ten thousand dollar months in you know six months, and it's like, well, you know, still working on it. That kind of thing. So yeah, trust the process
0: and allow it to take as long as it needs to take. Mm-hmm. you're going to get better results if you give it time and that's what I say as well like if you give me proper time I'm going to get you an amazing result but you can't quit after a month because like that's not enough time you know
1: no it's not um and then god now it's escaping me what my next lesson was oh my gosh I can't believe I forgot it it'll come <laughs> to me it'll come to me eventually um, um...
0: What's another question you have
1: for me? What? Let's see here. I'm so unprepared. I know you're like, come up with five questions. And I came up with like three. Um, One more question. One more question. Okay. What is, what is your like ultimate, what do you want to accomplish at the end of your 34th year?
0: I've actually been thinking about this very recently, like as recent as last night, journaling about it because I am about to turn 34. And then it's like, it's that halfway point between 30 and 40. It's like I'm saying goodbye to my young 30s. Mm. And I look back to my 20s and how I was. And like when I was 21 to 25, I was in university. I thought I was old and I thought like, everything had to be sorted out already. I was always stressing and stuff. And I wish I could go back to those years and like live a little and do something, do more wild, crazy things, I think. Mm. Um, So I, it scares me so much to say this, but I feel like I have to live up my single life and do something like totally wild, like go overseas right now Mm -hmm. in the middle of the pandemic even Mm -hmm. though our borders are shut and I'm gonna have to find an exemption and then try and work out visas and like all of this like it's so hard I've been doing so much research I've joined these Facebook groups and everything like but I'm just trusting that if it's meant to be it's gonna unfold and I just have to take that inspired action towards making it happen
1: Yeah. And as you know, our girl Amanda would say, just, you know, keep the, well, I always say keep the faith and do the work. Um, But I think for you in this situation, it's keep the faith and trust that it's all going to work out.
0: Yeah. It's so scary, but it excites me at the same time. And I think like if I'm, once I'm 40 and I look back on this year, I'll be so happy that I've like taken some kind of risk or made some big leap rather than just staying safe in my life. Like where I live is beautiful. It's like paradise, but it doesn't excite me at the moment. So
1: (laughs) well, and and neither does mine. I live in a, a very like affluent part of California and I say affluent, not to brag. It's where I grew up, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm, I can afford to live here on my own because I couldn't, uh, but it's a bubble. It's a total bubble. It's comfortable. You know, it's what I've known my entire life. My parents are here, you know, everything, and I've never really taken any risks. So yeah. like one of my biggest regrets at this point is not having traveled abroad when I was in college, I wanted to do it and I had actually made the effort, but I turned in my application too late. I tried to go to Italy to study abroad and yeah, did not turn it in on time. So the program was full. I wasn't able to go, um, and I, I regret that so much. So yeah. yeah, now being, you know, 37, but single, so I can technically go wherever I want. Do, do whatever, whatever you
0: want. I've business.
1: <laughs> I no, nothing's holding me back except for myself. And that kind of like that fear, but I don't want to look back and have regrets.
0: That's so interesting. Cause my last question to you was going to be, what is something you wish you had the courage to do right now?
1: Oh, that's well,
0: (laughs) would it be that I would
1: say, I would say move, like move somewhere else. Yeah. Wow. Outside of this, outside of where I am right now, but it's just a matter of like, I don't know where I would want to go. And I don't want to be starting completely over where I don't know anybody. So it's like, do I go down to LA where at least I have a couple of friends, you know? So not like when (laughs) you always have these like grand plans, like, Oh, I'm going to move here. And we're gonna hang out all the time. And that never happens, right? Yeah. But I think that just knowing that somebody that I was familiar with was nearby would be comforting. But I just haven't decided where that place is. So-, so hard,
0: isn't it? That's the same with me. Like, I really want to go to the US, but it's so hard with visas and stuff. And because I can't get a green card and all of that, um, I potentially can get a british passport because my dad was born in england and so i'm like maybe i'll go to london but that scares me so much and i i do have one friend that moved to london last year she's a very good friend so i'm like maybe that's a sign that i meant to go to london
1: (laughs) maybe it is maybe it is it's funny because the guy that i was podcasting with earlier today i told you when we were first starting recording he was from london he was so cute too i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) I'll go to London to visit you. Uh, one of my other friends, Sarah, who uh, I don't know if you know, Sarah Duff, she was an online I mean, she started doing online fitness and nutrition and now she's doing more life and relationship coaching. But she's in London, and I went to visit her September of 2019 and had a great time. So I would go back in London or I would go back. So you've actually been to
0: London. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And did you yeah, love it's a it? Place.
1: I, yeah, I, I did like it. Um, It was, you know, the weather's not great. So I know that's
0: what's scaring me, actually. Like, You're I'm not in Australia person. anymore,
1: Toto. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a little bit different, but you know, worth a shot.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to think about. It's so scary because if I leave anytime soon, it just. It looks like I'm gonna have to be gone for like six to twelve months because mm. the situation in Australia is messed up right now, and it's so hard to get back here. Um. So yeah, it's like saying goodbye to family for that long, uh, and that's what's holding me back. Like the thought that I won't be able to see my family for potentially a long time. But
1: yeah, uh, yeah, that's so tough. Bad, I get it. Torn. <laughs> I get it. That's the thing that holds me back too, even from moving because my parents are getting older and you know, they're still in fairly good health, but you just, you never know. Yeah. And I kind of see my dad's health declining a little bit and that's scary. I mean, I know that there are so many people who live away from their families and they don't see their parents, but yeah, there's it's a so part of odd. me that's just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah, I know. It's tough. I'm such well, a, i am such I guess we'll habit.
0: see. We'll see what the future holds. will not be interesting to like, listen back on this podcast in a year's time to see what's happened.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Absolutely. I mean, I think the good stuff is in store for us.
0: I believe yeah. so. It's like whatever you believe, right? It's going to happen. So we just have to keep those thoughts positive,
1: mm-hmm. keep
0: believing, mm-hmm. keep wanting great things and it's going to come. It
1: will come. Yeah. All uh, right. good stuff. Oh. I can't wait to see what the next year holds for you, but We'll I'm going to go right book now. a
0: hotel after this because I'm oh, go going to a hotel
1: for my birthday. <laughs> go book it. I wish that I, I wish that I could easily come meet you.
0: I wish so. Uh, wouldn't that be nice?
1: <laughs> oh, that would be so amazing.
0: Anyway, it has been a pleasure having you and very nice to talk to you. You're I, my friend. we um, will put all your links, whatever, in my show notes. I'm very bad at endings, but uh, how can people find more about you marcy
1: i i am on instagram marcy nevin and then i have a podcast on itunes decades of strength that i host with two other people but that's really where i spend the most time
0: okay awesome well thank you again
1: you're welcome
0: this recording
1: stop